Spill the tea with Danny. That's me. As part of the LGBT History Month, I, Danny, a cis-straight female, will invite all of my beautiful friends to celebrate the colourful world that we live in. We will acknowledge the hardship, the heroes and the heroines that have made this planet what it is today. We celebrate, we laugh and we cry. But most importantly, we sit down, share a nice cup of tea. Or maybe something a little stronger. For the first episode of Spill the Tea with Danny, I am joined by Ian, who works in the television and film industry. We speak all things TV and film. We get some great recommendations. Uh, and we talk a little bit about James Corden in prom. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Danny? I'm, I'm super excited. You are my first guest. So, Ian, tell me about yourself. Okay, so I'm Ian Fizamanis. I'm a 48-year-old gamer um, and I identify as such. I don't identify any further down that track. I know lots of people do. That's where I sung stop. I'm kind of old school in that sense, I suppose. And I am a sets and props advisor for TV, film and theatre. That's what I kind of do. Live in rugby in the middle of the UK and loving life. Amazing. So, Ian, um, I'm doing a bit of this chat for Five Star Theatre. Tell me a bit about your relationship with Five Star and the kind of shows you've done before without mentioning COVID. Well, I was involved uh, with Five Star Theatre really for my first big project. It was an ill-fated one um, of the performance of Chicago, which never happened for various reasons. And I've been always involved in, in various productions of things and, and public events throughout life, really. But that was the first thing I kind of got on board with Five Star with. And um, it's a great shame because I think it was it was headed to be a really interesting and really slick performance. And it was being um, marketed in a kind of new way and stuff like that. So it kind of it's quite upsetting in that respect. Respect. However, I think we learned a lot from it. And I think um, we realised what talents we had available to us and what we could do if we actually put our minds to it and really, really kind of sat down and thought, you know, what, what do we want to achieve with this? And in that respect, I still look back at what we did do and it was, it was minor compared to what we could have. Uh, and I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of what we did. Um, and the images that we worked on and stuff like that are just absolutely stunning. And I think took took that performance to a new level even though it never happened a hundred percent and I think you're selling yourself short a bit Ian so you know you got in contact with an incredible photographer that's done some amazing work worldwide which we organized a photo shoot which was just so much fun um so you know thank you so much for all that work you did then so my first kind of question getting into the LGBTQ plus um, kind of side of the chat is yeah. oh, you've mentioned that you are involved in television and film as well as, you know, <laughs> dipping your hand in some theatre work. Yeah. How inclusive do you find the find the film industry for representation of LGBTQ plus kind of in terms of let's go down the employment route, route first. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how inclusive do you find it? I think it's very inclusive. I think there are issues in the industry. And I think that personally, uh, the, the, the LGBTQT community have to address. And that is that you can get involved in anything and you're welcomed into anything in the industry. However, there is an element still of bitchiness about your, what you're bringing to the table. And I think that's something we really do need to address. 
I've, you know, I've come into lots of productions that are halfway through because that's what I do for, for a living. Um, and with the theatre, it's, 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 a, it's a group that are well-knitted. And to integrate that sometimes can be quite hard because people already have a perception of you because uh, the gay community is quite small. So everybody knows everybody. And so everybody has, you know, we, we gossip, let's be honest, we judge and all the rest of it. So going into a community like that in a tight little group, you do feel the pressure of what are people going to think of me? What are they going to expect me to bring to the table? And can I ever live up to that? And that, I think, is the only issue that I come across. Now, in the film industry and stuff like that, it's, not, it's a non-issue. It's a, just a non-issue. It's, no one has the time to care. And, and that's great in respect. It, no one has the, an interest in that. And if you, you know, just casually, you know, I'll just have to see my partner or my husband or whatever, people don't even blink. They don't bat an eyelid because they just don't have the time to care about it. And that really is what we need to get into the point of. That it's just not an issue that needs time. And I think sometimes the problems that I have encountered in, in, in the past is because people have too much time to worry about things that they don't really need to. Um, and, and that, as I say, is something we need to kind of slightly address. But it's not, I've always found it inclusive. I've never found that I had to come out as such. You know, I've always gone into it as me. I've never had the, the need to make a big thing about it because most people are already accepted due to the nature of the work that they do. It's a creative industry and most creative industries are quite welcoming, I think. And I think particularly when you're younger, there's a pressure point. When, I, you know, I'm older, I've been there, done that, and I've seen the, seen the film and watched the film and bought the T-shirt. It's, it's not a big thing for me anyway anymore. But I do, I do think that if you were going into those industries, I, I, I assume it must be slightly easier than going into other industries. You know, if you're going to be walking into construction, you are going to have to come out of the closet. If you're going into a theatre company, you're probably not. You're probably just going to have to say one day, oh, I'm off to, this is my boyfriend, and, and there's no other conversation needed. Um, so I think in that respect, it's probably one of the most welcoming. Um, however, as I say, there is that one issue, I think, that, let's be completely honest, gay men particularly are bitchy. We're bitchy. We are judgy, and we are, we are looking to pull apart other, other members of our community and thus, I think if you're going into that, it can sometimes be quite scary and quite intimidating. And why, why do you think that's the case? It, is it coming from an? Is it coming from a horrible place, or is it coming from some like insecurity? Because I, I have a lot of gay friends where they're like, "Oh, I can't believe you're friends with so and so," and I was like, "Yeah, they're amazing." Yeah, like, uh, uh, you talk to me that they're bitchy, they're this. I was like, "I've not, I've not seen that side." So I. Yeah. Where does it come from? I think it comes from exactly the same place that you'll find that uh, the, the expression, the, the biggest threat to women is other women. And it's the same problem with gay men. Uh, I think when you're a, a repressed minority, as women have been and, and gay men have been, there's an element of self-hatred which comes into it. So women do dislike other women when they become successful. It's, I'm sorry, it's the truth. And it really shouldn't be happening. And it's not all women and all the rest of it, but it's the same in the gay community. Gay men find that if you're successful or if you're talented, they want to pull you down because they feel they are not worthy because that's the way that society has brought us up. Um, and it's the same for women. I think it's the same for most minorities that you, you feel a self-hatred and, and a need to bring yourself down because that's where society has told you you should be. And that's sad. And it is changing, but it's changing much slower than I would have liked. We just need a rocket. I think we just need to support each other. And I know that's really hard because we're all judgy. It's, it's human nature to be looking at other people going, well, I don't know if they're bringing to the table as much as they should. 
that's what's pushed the species forward surely as you know it, we're always striving to be better but i think we have to stop doing that from a judgmental point of view and actually say you've done that it's great what else can you do Joe, it's so it's so interesting because in the film and theatre like world, you are judged. You are constantly judged. Yeah. Like course, you're yeah. in, you're judged the second you walk yeah. in the room. You're just, oh, yeah. oh, oh, that note was a bit. Mm. So you know, I've had friends that have auditioned before, and that they stand next to someone else who could be their identical twin, but the, mm -hmm. the uh, audition panel have gone. Joe, I'm going to go with her because I like her trainers. So yeah, it's just weird. Even you know when gender or sexuality or however you identify sometimes doesn't even come into it, but can, yeah. it makes it even worse when when people are using so how someone identifies or their sexual yeah. against them. And you know it's a small community. Chances are most people know it, everybody else in some way or another, and they've heard stories and they've heard rumours. And it, it, there's a lot of well, they did this and they did that, and I heard they did that and that and that. That makes them a appalling person. And actually, that's 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 the root of some of those issues. It, it's it's setting that whole idea that that uh, we are taught, or certainly I was when I was younger, younger, and in my generation, you are taught that gay men are dirty and wrong and nasty and all the rest of it. In the same way that women should be seen and not heard and all all those things. And I think trying to break that's quite hard because it's just cycling generation to generation. And I think what will be really important is that the generation we have now, your generation and the generation beyond, stop looking at people for what they're doing and look at people for what they've done in the sense that you've done this amazing creative piece. It doesn't matter anything else that you've done or said or somebody said that you said. It's it's just ridiculous. And Joe, that was quite interesting. On the first point when I was mentioning like what work you've done before, you were mm. mentioning how, you know, the community of small people have heard of me, but mm. will I live up to that expe expectation? And I was like, are you asking that about your career or is this more about the, both. the room? Yeah. yeah, both, both. Yeah, definitely. Well, there are two or three other gay men involved in it that I came to close contact with and they are all people I've come across in life previously uh, and have come across in life since that I've been involved in that production and in all different elements of life. So from friendships through to sexual relationships through to um, just seeing them in the street or being in a bar with them or walking past them in a shop those interactions need to stay where they are yeah and actually i'm here to do this job i think in the wider uh, film and tv and theatre community i think that can be an issue that people are judged and not given the opportunities that they should be perhaps because of past issues i don't feel i do it but then i maybe i do and i'm subconsciously not realizing it and maybe we all do it to a certain degree um and not realize it i don't know i don't know whether I don't feel that I do it. I don't feel that I sit down in a room and go, oh, yeah, I know all about you. I've heard about you. That shitty thing to my friend. <laughs> I don't feel like I do that, but maybe I do. Maybe we all do. Maybe that's human nature. So um, I did a bit of research, and I know that this question, um, Ian, is going to, um, I think it's going to keep you talking. Three words. James Corden, discuss. So I... I... <sighs> Okay, so James Corden, let's put James, just James Corden. I've struggled with James Corden as a performer, as an artist, as a, a, a presenter, as a comedian, as a human being. I struggle, I don't know him, obviously, so I don't judge that his, his life and his choices, but I don't identify with his comedy. I don't identify with what 
is perceived to be the massive talent that he is. That, that I need to get that straight. I've never, I've never enjoyed his work. I've never liked him. I've seen him in a few things and thought, yeah, he's all right. But I don't get the James Corden fuss. If you're talking specifically about prom. I am. I find this really interesting because um, I've learned a lot about myself by thinking about this. I think his casting is difficult. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I, I, first of all, I've never encountered prom before that, that, that version. OK, so I've never I, I knew about it, but I've never seen it. I've never really got involved in those characters until I watched that, that Netflix version. And I found myself watching it thinking, which is something I don't do at all, really, but thinking, why is a straight man playing this part? And why is he playing it like every camp stereotype I ever grew up watching? And I literally want to punch him. And I'm so angry at this performance. It's so camp, crying, fierce, all that kind of stereotypes of every gay character and every that it led me to the point where I wanted to say, why is this straight man portraying a gay character as a straight man would portray a gay character? It's just seemed so stereotypical. However, when I started to think about it more, I started to think, do you know what? The, the, it's a stereotype because people exist. The, the, you know, the, the, there is that guy. There is that guy that's very camp and is slightly effeminate and is very fierce when he wants to be and will cry at anything and is obsessed with fashion. They, those people exist. And, that, and for me to then criticise that performance is to criticise those people and say they don't exist, which is bollocks because they do. They do exist. And then I, it took me back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago that I think all of us as certainly as gay men you are built and set up with an inner hatred of gay men because anything that sort of alludes to letting you out because and exposing you is immediately something that should be shut down so when i grew up it was things like i mean you wouldn't remember but things like larry grayson and people like that who were on tv and um john inman doing um are you being served and that whole you know i'm free and all that it was very mocking which i found the james corden performance to be quite mocking but again, when I sort of start to think about it, I think it's not mocking. It's portraying a, a gay character who exists. Those people exist. Uh, I don't know how that piece was written, but, he, but his interpretation was certainly that that character who was like, the camp and all the rest of it and talked with that voice, which actually really grated on me, really grated on me. But uh, as the more I thought about it, the more I thought that's only because I have grown up in a generation that were told to loathe that because if you stayed on the straight side of things if you kept the clothing down to a, a a calmish level if you walked in the right way and if you didn't say those expressions you could get away without having trouble without having people comment or mock you or or you know become violent with you or anything like that so i think that's where that comes from and the more i examine it in myself and the more I examine my perspective of it the more i feel guilty for disliking his performance because he's performing a character it's a gay character and that's the perception that's the perception of what he thinks that character should be they exist he's not he's not doing a you know a ridiculous um over the top performance those people are there and they deserve to be represented as much as anybody else so i i i do find the whole thing really 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 difficult to judge I don't think all gay parts should be played by gay men. I don't think all straight parts should be played by straight men. The fact of this is, this is a gay, a straight man performing a gay part and he's performed it in the way that he thinks is appropriate. 
I have issues with it, but I think they're mine rather than his, is what I'm probably trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got in this debate with a few of my friends and they're like, oh God, isn't it awful that James is pl- playing a gay character? Da, da, da. And I was like, like, oh, the gay community are going to kick off. And I was like, sorry, like, A, you're now putting all the gay community into one box. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. To be fair, um, I think the gay community have a lot more on their plate than giving a toot about James Corden playing a gay bloke. But again, like what you said then, you know, I don't think all gay men should play gay roles. I don't think all straight men should play straight roles. One of my favourite TV shows um, is Arrow. And that's okay. played by a, a gay man, like a straight role yeah. with a gay performer. So, you know, it, it can be done. And this is the thing. We're actors. Mm-hmm playing a fictional role yes i agree obviously you've got jenny whisker a, a woman playing an alien who can, who can live you know 13 times absolutely insane i, I remember also uh, i can't remember the name of the production but the, the theater production of harry potter when yes. they cast um the, the black female Hermione. And, and and i don't know if you've watched it yet but uh, bridgerton i mean incredible casting blind casting has to be the way forward for for the industry because until you see, and in the case of Bridgerton, until you see actors of black origin in positions of wealth and power, they will never be seen in societies having wealth and power. They just, as soon as they do get to that point, they're considered to have done it by ill means. Mm-hmm. Bridgerton absolutely opened the gates and changed the game for casting by saying it's okay for, for a lord in a period drama to be black. They may not have been in history, but that doesn't matter. We have to actually start showing them as that because that means that they could have been, they could have had that wealth, they could have had that power and that education, and they could have been those people. We didn't give them that opportunity through various things in society, but they should have been and could have been. So we need to start showing them as that. I think Bridgerton and its casting is incredible, uh, and that's got to be paved the way forward for all other productions to be to be cast in the way that's suitable for the role. It doesn't matter. I mean, one of the things you were you, you we we had talked about briefly before we did this interview was trans casting and, and 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 female casting and how you identify as a female or whatever that's got to start changing it's got to start changing that it doesn't matter who's playing the role physically it matters if they can give an incredible performance and that's what's got to change 100% 100% and that's really interesting because that there are always those arguments of hang on that doesn't make sense so for example if we think about the production of Les Mis um in the west yeah. end um you know you've had a black epony but then, you know, the younger child isn't black and they're like, oh, it doesn't match. And like, the characters are not real. Like, you yeah. can see they're playing the same character by A, the name that they're being called and their costume. Like, it doesn't need, it's theatre, it's make-believe, it's mm. film. Like, we're all intelligent enough to understand that, oh, that person and that person didn't create this human or it just kind of let that political mind go and enjoy a beautiful piece of art and that's just that's the whole point of you know theatre and the arts and I just feel that at the moment there's so much negativity that people are focusing too much on on that side of things rather than you know. Of course. I don't know about you but I personally think it's the job of theatre and art and film and television to irritate people into those choices and those thought patterns you know I, th- I think it's incredibly brave whoever made that final decision to finally turn Doctor Who into a woman. It's a really brave decision to have made and it could have gone horribly wrong for them. It has not, it's been really successful, but it, it, it's their job to push people's buttons to say, it's 
it's okay for this be a woman. Someone's got to do it at some point. Someone has to break those molds. And if you don't do it, and if you don't, as a as a strong theatre production and a strong film or a strong director, say we're going to push some buttons, then you're not doing your job right. That's the whole point of art, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It's to challenge those ideas or ideologies yeah. that have in place. So, um, random question for you, Ian. I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking to a playwright, and I said, mm-hmm. "Do you specifically write qu- qu- queer fiction?" Um, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, interesting question." Um, there, and their answer was, "Well, I most of the work is autobiographical." And also don't think it would sit right with them, you know, writing. And in the process of one of um, their plays... Did they, is this person identify as straight or... No, no, pansexual. No, pansexual, okay, right. Just um, so it was, it was quite interesting saying how um, they were unable to kind of question, they're like, oh, how would a straight guy speak? Um, and I just found yeah. that really interesting that Ooh. they're like, do you know what? I'm just going to write for me. So this makes mm-hmm. me think, when was the first time you saw or read a book or play where there was a character that you first ever identified with? Gosh, that's a really interesting question because I, I, I've never thought about that before. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember having a moment in life where I thought, oh my God, a, a lesbian, gay, transgender character. I don't remember that moment. I guess the first one that I was aware of was, would have, and this was uh, mid-80s, late-80s, would have been um, the first gay character on EastEnders because my mother and my parents were talking about it. And it was a thing. It was a, it was a big thing at the time we have a gay character. I mean, it, it was very underdone and it was very dull and very boring. But I guess that's the first time I remember that being discussed. Prior to that, probably, I remember, this is quite funny, my mum's going to kill me, I remember my mother and father sitting, watching Top of the Pops with me, very early 80s. I would have been about 10. And Boy George was number one with Karma Chameleon. And my dad, my dad and my mother having this argument in the lounge about whether it was a man or a woman. And my mum saying, no, no, it's a, it's a man. And my dad was going, don't be ridiculous. It's wearing like the dress that's got long hair and some makeup on. Of course it's a woman. And I remember even at that age being quite aware of that conversation and thinking, wow, that's, that's literally putting all that in one box and all that yeah. in that box. And you can't mix those boxes. Um, um, and I was aware of myself at that point to a certain degree, I think. So I remember that. I don't remember really ever reading a book with a really good uh, LGBT uh, character. I don't remember ever picking up a book that I really, really got on with, um, with a character that really stood out to me as that was them, but but it wasn't specifically about the story. But one of the issues I've got is that if you do get uh, LGBT characters in anything, it's always centred around an LGBT kind of storyline. Um, and I find that a bit frustrating that in this day and age we are still pigeonholing those yeah. people in society. stories about that. And I think to a certain extent, if you went back five to ten years, you'd find that with black actors that they were still dealing with black storylines. And now I think we're starting to move out of that, as I say, with Bridgerton, but with other things they're moving into actually a black family can portray a family disaster. It doesn't have to be about drugs. It doesn't have yeah. to be about crime. It have to be about immigration. It could just be a family tragedy that everybody goes yeah. through. And I'd like to see more of that with the LGBT community. I'd like to see them just deal with normal, everyday things that everybody goes through. And I don't feel we're quite there yet. And that's the thing. Like, you don't... In <laughs> in these places, they're like, gay guy walks on, like, oh, hi, I'm gay. But, you know, everyone's yes. like, oh... 
Yeah. Oh, you're not going to tell me how, then, how, what you, who you prefer to be with. Or it's going to be about drugs or yep. it's going to be about gay things. Yeah. They're not going to do a story about gay people and domestic violence, gay people and um, a family tragedy, a death in the family. It's going to be about being gay, yeah. which is the issue. Um, I, I find that I find that still really hard to, to get along with. And I, I remember probably about four or five years ago, I remember sitting down at Christmas once and turning to someone and saying, when are we going to have an advert at Christmas for a supermarket which just has a gay family in it? And that has started to change now. And I'm amazed how, how quickly that's evolved. Yeah. That did not exist. Gay people weren't treated as a normal family. And black people the same, to be fair. It wasn't treated as a normal family. It was always white, Caucasian, male, female family. And that's changing in advertising, which is a massive step because that, will, that filters into other things and filters into people's minds. Um, but I still don't, I don't know, I don't see it as much in TV. I mean, obviously, the big TV thing recently has been um, It's a Sin. Absolutely fantastic. But it's a gay story about gay things. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Bridgerton because did you see those two newspaper articles? One praising how saucy yes. Um, yes. Bridgerton was yes. and how repulsive yes. and over the top Into Sin was. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is a, there is such a long way to go. It, it does frustrate me that people say, yeah, but it's all fine now. It's all fine now. So what are you worried about? You don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, it's really not, um, and I can give you lots of examples why it's not. It's just, it's not fine yet. We have got so far to go. And this is until the Daily Mail reporting on the fact that you know, Sainsbury's have used a gay couple in their advert. When that's not even a thing, then we'll talk. This is where I find it really difficult. You know, I'm a cis woman. I'm straight. Mm-hmm. Like, but all of my fr- like the majority of my friends are LGBTQ plus. I love every single person as a human. And when I sit and hear, you know, a straight white person go, oh, but it wasn't like that back then. You could do that. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Educate yourself. It wasn't okay. These people still had those feelings back then. They were still being hurt just because and oh, the, t- the term, oh, politically correct. Oh, we're so... Oh overly uh, correct these days yeah totally somebody said to me the other day when I was um, commenting on the fact that I'd, I'd been abused in the street someone said to me oh these people are just old-fashioned the world changed in the 80s and they just haven't got past it I'm like if you seriously think that the world changed in the 80s that much that everything since then has been fine then you're part of the problem you're part of the problem because you 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 think that the last 30 years has been 40 years has been absolutely fine i'm guessing they're you're... referring to like the aid crisis when they think yeah okay the thing that everyone went oh okay it's okay it's okay to be gay it's fine we're fine okay let's move on and that's not what happened not what happened at all and still is not what happened i, I mean i you know i, I live in a, a very cosmopolitan town really in the grand scheme of things and I, you know, at least twice in the last six months have been pretty seriously verbally abused in the street. You know, it's still a thing. It's not. And until that stops, until that's not acceptable, until other people walking past in the street stop and say, that's not on. Yeah. There's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. But we get, we're going to do it. It's things like this that change it. And that's, a, that's what we're trying to do. You know, I want us mm. to celebrate this you know lgbtq plus history month um so let's celebrate what is your um is there a um character is there an actor playwright fashion designer anyone billy porter uh, for 
the voice, for his presence, for his his performance, and for the clothes. Billy Porter is incredible. Um, and I think for me, Pose has been the game changer in, in LGBTQT um, television. I know that there's been others, and I think it's a sin as a slightly watered down version of what Pose did. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But Pose to me um, did it with such pizzazz and did it with such a smile and such strength. Those people went through hell and they, they just carried on. And that's what, what is so incredible about the community and about all communities that struggle, that they don't give up. And that was so inspiring to me. And I think Billy Port is just, oh, I wish I could meet him. He's amazing. Who's yours, Daniel? Oh, great question. Old school, because, you know, I'm a drama teacher in the normal day. Of course. Um, I love Oscar Wilde. And I know that that is ridiculous. His, <laughs> when you read his, his if you reread his oh. plays, you'll just sit there and laugh about how much such, he got away with stuff. Yeah, such a clever man. So sneaky. Like, his play is called The Importance of Being Earnest. Earnest yes. is a gay word for, uh, well, a gay slang word for gay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the, whole, the importance of being gay and John Oscar, yes, like be your true self. Um, so absolutely old school Oscar Wilde. Um, there's, uh, there's two uh performances of, of, of uh, in gay uh literature, I suppose, that I, I would recommend. One is uh, A Single Man, I don't know if you've seen the, the film, the book is great, but the film is incredible, directed by Tom Ford. Uh, absolutely, I think, nails it on, on what being gay was like at that time. Um, and, and recently, last night, uh, I watched um, uh, a film, uh, a Netflix film, which is tipped for Oscars. It's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, and it really worth a watch. Uh, Ma Rainey was probably one of the first black um, blues singers who was a, a celebrity as such, 1920s. And she was um, quite openly um, bisexual, possibly lesbian. Um, and some of the lyrics that she wrote, I was looking at research and said, the lyrics she wrote were so edgy that no one would have known what she was writing about. But they are so obvious to read now that she's talking about being a lesbian or being attracted to women. Um, and so many people would have just, that would have gone over everyone's head. But she was making such a statement at the time to be quite a powerful black woman in the 1920s who would walk into a recording studio and say, if it's not right, I'm not doing it. I might be black, you might be white. You might, but if I want my Coke, if I don't get my Coke on this table right now, I'm walking out of it because I'm a black woman, I'm a woman of colour, I am a woman of a sexuality of my choices, and I don't give a shit, quite frankly. And actually watching the film, incredible, incredible to see how, how empowered she was even then. And it gives you hope. And they're, they're the people that we are celebrating this month. So, yes, so much, Ian, for joining me with the first Spill the Tea with Danny. Um, Loved Jen, it. Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank um, you. We'll catch up soon. Yes, definitely. Bye. Spill the tea with Danny.